as we're talking about inner healing and within transformation, I want to talk about the frustration of why it takes so long for some things to change. Now, the world's idea of fixing your life is to rebuild new habits. Maybe you've heard that story that if you do something for 30 days, you establish a habit and that habit will stay with you. So the world, when they try to help people, it's mostly trying to change the way they live, the way they think, change who they are. But hopefully, as I've been teaching on transformation, you can see the vast difference of the pathway of transformation, which is the will of God that we be transformed into this new creature, this new creation that God has made us. It's a whole different, complete different process than just changing your lifestyle. When you signed up to be born again, when you asked Jesus in your heart, you didn't just sign up to a new gym to learn uh, how to be better. Being a Christian is allowing us to be transformed on this earth before we get to heaven to walk as Jesus walked on this earth, to see the fruit of his love, the fruit of his joy, his peace, come forward into our life. Now, because it's the love of Jesus and not the love of this world, it had to go someplace, and that's the inner man. When the inner man was quickened, the inner body, that's the place that the love goes. That's the place that the knowledge of God goes. That's why God can tell you beforehand, before you were saved, what he can tell you afterwards, because you've changed. He hasn't changed. So I want to talk a bit about the frustration, because many believers including myself, we can look at our own life and see the struggles, the battles. And, and all of us have cried out to God to fix us, to change us. Um, and some people even blame it on God that, hey, I pray for God to change me. It didn't change me, so that this must be the way he wants me to be. This must be his will. And they give up. And so many believers give up on transformation because... They may not see it happen fast enough. Uh, they want to, uh, I remember one time I had a man come to my office when I was working for Norval Hayes. And, and Norval Hayes was out of town and he showed up and said, I'm here to speak to Brother Norval Hayes. I said, well, Brother Norval's out of town. Can I help you? No, I don't think so. I need Norval Hayes. I said, well, he's out of town. Can I help you? Well, I don't think you're anointed enough. I need someone anointed. And I said, I okay, I, I understand what you're after. But, you know, I can tell you what he would tell you, you know, if you just share with me what you're looking for. Well, it turns out that he was having an incredible battle with uh, a sin in his life. And he had played with that sin so long that now he was finding that he was liking it and loving that sin um, more than God. And he knew that he was at a place as maybe even uh, walking away from God. And he said, what I need is for Norval Hayes to lay hands on me and cast the devil out of me, cast this out. And see, he was looking for a quick fix. And there is a place in God, and we'll talk about this in, a, in one of the new, newer videos, newer teachings about how the church should be able to handle broken people. But the church isn't there yet. And so he was saying, I need 
someone anointed to get this out of me. Now, he had been playing with that sin for years and, and becoming part of him so much. Uh, he, you know, it's like, well, you know, it doesn't happen. I, I need a, it's like going to a, to a service and saying, I'm 800 pounds and I need someone to pray for me. And I want to leave the service being 100, 180 pounds of lean muscle. So who's anointed enough to do that? And trying to explain to him that, you know, being being trained by Brother Norval, I've learned how to cast out devils. And, you know, I can cast out devils and cast out screaming devils and crying devils and whining devils and big devils and little devils. But you can't cast out flesh. Flesh must be mortified. So so many of us in our immaturity and our desire for a quick change have asked, why do I have this problem? And God, take it away from me. I don't want it, God. I don't want to be like that. And we found ourselves still struggling in some areas. And what you find is God's answer to that prayer for us is the grace and the strength to transform. And it's in the transformation that you mortify the deeds of the flesh. You mortify those desires. You mortify the voice of the flesh that tells you, you need this. You need this. I remember in uh, here uh, a few years ago, there was a famous golfer, uh, the top golfer of all time, Tiger Woods. And he got married, had a beautiful wife and a couple of kids. And it came out that he was having all these affairs and it cost him half of his fortune and embarrassment and everything else that came with it. And the question came, well, why, why would guy, a guy um, sabotage his, because uh, a lot of his money didn't come just from golf. It came from uh, products and being the spokesperson for different companies. And all those companies quit with him once his reputation was ruined. Why would he sabotage all that just for, or risk all that, um, when he had a beautiful wife? And I can tell you my best answer to that is that when you're a, that quality of a golfer, you live your life where everywhere you go, people ooh and awe at you, want your autograph, and they want to, to tell you how great you are, and it feeds, it feeds your natural man, his eagle. And if you have a, a man, say, who's, who is lacking respect in himself, they look outward to try to find respect so they could fill that void on the inside. It's kind of an offering to their, their natural soul. And if you got a man like Tiger Woods who has offered celebrity to the brokenness of his soul, natural soul, uh, Everywhere you go, you're celebrated because you're the man. But then you find a beautiful woman to marry you, and she celebrates you. And then after a few weeks, uh, she's not asking, how. tell me how great you did on the golf course. She's asking, will you take out the trash? And uh, I need this door fixed. And, and she starts to treat you like a husband because you became a husband to her. So now... Your wife, your spouse, is not feeding the brokenness of your natural soul because she's not celebrating you as a celebrity. She's looking to you and leaning on you as a husband. 
And so th- that's a good reason why possibly he went elsewhere because he was trying to fill that void. And I'm just I'm not over trying not to overanalyze that, but I'm trying to make a point that all of us have a natural soul, every person. And thank the Lord you found Jesus and now your inner man was brought to life. The inner spiritual side of your soul was brought to light. Now you have the possibility to not be ruled and to live your life being ruled by the natural man. Many Christians change their name to Christianity. I've been born again, but they, they're they not taught how to transform out of the natural man. So they live their life as uh, servants to the natural man, but they use God instead of it. I had one young man uh, come to church and he started laughing. Uh, and uh, he'd just laugh and laugh and pretty soon enough people around him would laugh and they start telling him, well, you're so anointed that you just, that laughter got on me. And I, and I believe that God will use laughter and that movement to really uh, lift the spirits of people. But then uh, the next service, he started laughing again. Well, after a while, I started to figure out that, you know, maybe he's excited about this because it's feeding him. And and I had an early morning prayer with a group of guys, which meant we just met in the church and we prayed in the Holy Spirit, but we weren't to minister to each other. And during that time, he broke out laughing again and was trying to get the other guys to laugh with him. And I remember sitting down with him and having an honest talk and saying, listen, when a young man doesn't have uh, respect for himself, respect for a young man means that you've accomplished the daily tasks. You did your chores, you went to work, you made money, you paid your bills. Uh, if you're married, you're a good husband. If you're a father, you're a good father to the kids. That when you handle the natural responsibilities in life that's in front of you, you have self-respect. And when a young man doesn't, or any man, doesn't have that self-respect in them uh, because they're running away from responsibilities, they begin to look outside for other people to give them respect so they can put that in place of the self-respect that's missing. Now, some people are broken uh, in their childhood, and it's not their fault, but generally can't find respect for yourself you begin to look elsewhere. And, and I said in the world, you know, when w- these are young guys who usually become like the, the stuntman or the, the clown, class clown, or the comedian trying to make people laugh or do crazy things, the race car driver, because they're trying to get applause from people, a respect from the outside in. I said, in the Christian world, we can be tempted to try to be uh, looked up to as ministers. Like, I gave you something. It's tempting to, if you learn to prophesy, to prophesy to someone because they go, wow, that was great, or to try to share things. And there's many reasons why in the Christian world we're tempted to do things in the name of God, but really we're trying to produce value Uh, respect from others towards us. And so I told this young man, I said, I'll tell you what. Because he said, no, it's God that I'm laughing. 
It's not me trying to go somewhere. I said, I don't think you're doing it on purpose. I'm not blaming you for being, you know, doing it on purpose. But I'm trying to tell you that I don't think it's God on you as much as you trying to get people to laugh to say that you're anointed so you can offer that as respect. I said, here's what we'll do. It's it's summertime. It's nice outside. If the laughter, if God comes on you and that laughter hits you, I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm, what you need to do. Outside, there's a tree out there. and We're going to call that the laughing tree. And if God comes on you, can't help yourself, then I want you to go out and laugh under the tree. And then uh, laugh. You have at it, but just not in the prayer meeting because the prayer meeting is about people praying, not ministering to each other. And once you know the laughter stopped, it never happened again. Because I stole the thunder, the the I exposed the the what was driving him towards that laughing. And he's an innocent kid as far as his motives were wanting, but that's the seduction uh of the natural man. It can pretend it's spiritual, but really the motives are not spiritual. And I see quite a bit of ministry done in the name of God that's really to feed the the person's own natural soul. I tell you the story of the the little lady, young girl that came up during my prayer during a prayer line. Well, actually, I was preaching, and the spirit of God touched this little girl, and she ran up to the altar. It wasn't an altar call. Ran up and just began weeping at the altar. It was a very holy moment. I stopped preaching. And we just all looked at her. No music was playing. She was just weeping. And after a few moments, a, a sweet little grandma came from the back of the room and walked over and put her arm around her and began to comfort her. And I didn't think anything of it until the Lord spoke to me and said very strongly, Stop that now. Make that stop. Stop her now. So I said, Miss, Miss, Ma'am, I need you to take your hands off of her, please, and go have a seat. And I'm, I, I did respectfully. I didn't embarrass her. But what the Lord taught me was in that moment that the young girl was being touched with God. Her emotions were being connected to God directly. And, and she was having a moment of just being touched by the presence of God. And when Grandma saw the opportunity, she may have thought she was doing a good deed by loving on that person. But really, she was motivated by her her needing to be needed. Her your outward man, your outward soul, the love language of your outward soul is purpose. It wants to have, it needs to have purpose. And so little grandma went up and put her arm around her and basically took that channel of connection between her and God and turned it between the little girl and the elderly lady and took all those emotions and focused it on her and said, I'm loving you to give you love. But really, it was about her. She was wanting to feel needed and wanted to feel loved and appreciated. And she was feeding herself in the name of God. And I find so many people do that nowadays. On social media, you see people announcing to the world. And it's in, in Scripture, it says, don't, do, don't tell people what you did. And here we are announcing that we fed the poor. And, and there's some poor guy. And they got us taking a selfie. I'm feeding this guy on the street. I found him. And why are you telling the world that? 
Because maybe you didn't feed that guy to help him as much as you did to give yourself purpose to your natural soul. And so as we navigate through this inner healing part of transformation, I'm trying to reword what inner healing is, that it's not healing the brokenness that's in my natural man, but it is uh, stopping it from being the voice and speaking to my life and demanding things. I would word it mortification of the outward man, not inner healing. Because God wants us to mortify the natural thinking, the natural emotions, the natural brokenness, the natural pride that's in us from our natural soul. And at the same time, build up the inner man's part of your soul. What's what's that? Well, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. These are emotions that are available to you from your inner man that are spiritually based, not chemically based. So let's start over here today in Philippians, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. We'll start there. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now this verse is quoted often by people, especially when we have a struggle or something. We're reminded that God's going to complete it. And if you take it wrong, you'll think that God's responsible for your life to complete his work in your life. But that's not what he's saying. What Paul is saying is, I put you on a pathway that if you stay on this pathway, that you will find, and being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So it's a beginning and a completion. It's not an instant fix. There's a beginning and there's a completion. So you can see there's a pathway here. And I'm trying to prove to you that that pathway is transformation. That if you keep praying, you keep worshiping, you keep meditating the Word and confessing the Word, you keep doing these things. Every time you pray in tongues, you're building up the knowledge of the inner man. You're causing the love of Christ to grow out of that new nature into your inner man. See, there's a pathway here that God has begun something with you the moment you were saved. And what he's doing in you is no less important than anyone else on the earth. You might say, well, I'm not an apostle, or I'm not a prophet, or an evangelist. But see, your calling, your place in the gospel is as equally important as all those other people that you look up to. Your calling is that important. But your calling is going to come to pass as you grow and mature in the inner man. And as you mortify the outward man. And there's a whole industry in our church world about feeding the natural soul. The natural part of your soul demands purpose. Make me feel purposeful. And the reason it does because the natural part of you um, wasn't saved. It's left in darkness. It's left in death. 
So it knows God like an Old Testament man would, that God way up in heaven and me a tiny little ant, and I do good, I get good. See, your inner man was born of God. God's the father of your spirit, your inner man, but not the father of your outward man, your flesh. So your inner man knows that God is your father and receives everything as an heir because it's been born of God. But the outward man, it feels completely at odds with God until it does something good to give to him as an offering, to feel safe with God. Well, God is your father. He doesn't want your offering. I have kids and they never offered to pay for for dinner they never offered to to give money towards our groceries at the house because they're my kids i'm their father that's that's even dawn on them they're my kids well you're a child of god and so your inner man is completely at peace with knowing god as a father as your provider because you're his child not because you earned it, but you're wearing the natural body, the outward body that says, no, no, we have to earn it. We have to purchase the right to make ourselves worthy of God for Him to like us, for Him to love us. Purpose is what you offer the outward man the outward part of your soul to give to God. And and there's whole books written called Purpose Driven. Listen, we're never to be purpose driven. If you go to uh, Israel and you look at the sheep herders and the goat herders, you'll find that goat herders uh, stand behind the goats and push the goats. They drive the goats. But a shepherd walks in front of the sheep and the sheep follow the shepherd we're never to be driven god does not drive you he leads you we're to be spirit led not purpose driven so purpose being purposeful um many times we offer that to our outward emotions our outward soul trying to give it something to say you are important to god i remember when god told me to do something and um, my inner man yelled, yes, my father has given me instructions. And I felt this great peace on the inside. My father has given me instructions. He will provide because I'm his child. My inner man, I felt peace. And then a moment later, I heard this screaming voice say, no, we're going to die. We're not good enough. We're not worthy. And that was my outward man. Because my outer man had nothing to offer God to make it feel valuable or worthy to him. And truthfully, God's not interested in the outward man's opinion. (laughs) He's interested in the child that he made, you, the inner man. So this pathway he talks about here, that Paul is confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus is saying that on this path, if you stay on this path, the work that he started in you will be completed. The flesh understands religion. Many times we get 
confused with when we talk about the dirty flesh. We think things like, yeah, the smoking, the drug addict, the pornographer. We think of all the the evil things that's going on in the world. There's a bar uh, down the road and all those bikers that are at the bar. They're just fleshing out worldly people. But I want you to understand that, yes, the world, uh, unsaved people can be attracted to those things. I know a lot of unsaved people who are good family men, don't drink or smoke. But also, if you realize, there are whole groups of people who are not born again. They're not saved. They're wearing a flesh. They have a nature of sin. They are completely of the dark species, of the dead species of Adam. And there's a whole group of them that devote their life to a false religion. They don't drink. They don't smoke. Um, many of them, they will. If you go to like a a monk, uh, let's say a Tibetan monk who is serving, I'm not sure who he serves. He will lock himself up. He'll fast. He'll get up early in the morning and pray and read his scripture, and he'll take and he'll feed the poor, and he'll do good works, and he'll do that for his whole life. And it's with a false god. So I want you to see that he's wearing, and he's a, he's a sinner too, because he's not saved. And yet, his flesh is attracted to fasting and devotion, to meditating. His flesh is attracted to uh, service, where the good old boy at the bar down the road, he's attracted to alcohol and drinking. Well, it's both the flesh. See, the flesh isn't just smoking and drinking. It understands religion. Religion is a language the flesh understands because it allows it to say, I'm worthy because I did this. I'm worthy because I did that. My children don't come to me uh, at dinner time and we have all the dinner ready and it smells good and all the dishes are out and the food's on the table and I'm sitting there like a judge on the throne, come here, children. Now, I need you to tell me why you are worthy to eat of the food that I have provided for you today. Go ahead, tell me. What did you accomplish? What did you do? Did you finish everything? No, you didn't. You got a, a B instead of an A in your homework. You know what? No food for you. No provision. You've not given me enough good works to earn it. Let me tell you, my kids would laugh at me if I tried that. My wife would beat me up if I tried that. See, a father provides for his children because he's a father. Not because the children deserve it or earned it, because they're his children. You're a child of God. Your pathway to provision for your needs being met is not through what you do or what you give. It's through believing that you are a child of God. Your outward man, your flesh will get in the way and say, no, no, we need to do something to earn it, to deserve it, to be worthy of it. And that's why so many churches are trying their best to do well, but they're trying to offer purpose. I call it a pill that you come on Sunday and I give you a pill called purpose. And not the gospel, but purpose. And you take it and that purpose feeds your flesh happiness for a week 
but then next week you got to come back and I have to you have to come get another pill because you don't feel purposeful. When we went through the the whole event with um when the whole world shut down because of the covid restrictions, when the world uh stopped no more going out and everyone was wearing masks and uh and they had to shut down all the churches. The Lord told me that there's going to be many people that are going to feel unworthy uh, because they can't go to church. I mean, you could. what are you going to do when they have the COVID restrictions, the masks, and you're not allowed to be six feet from each other, uh, and you're not allowed to go out and be with more than four. I mean, there's some, some places really strict, no more than four people together. I mean, you, you can't go witness. You go knock on your neighbor's door and he'll spray you with Lysol. And slam the door and call the police on you. So you can't go out and witness. You can't go out and do good works. You can't even go to church. The Lord said there's going to be many, many of my children who are going to feel during this time that they can't talk to me. That they can't receive from me because all of their purposeful works were stopped. And now they don't feel like they're worthy to receive from me because they didn't do a good work. And the Lord said this season is going to bring, that season will bring a lot of healing because after a couple months of not being able to do a good work, that many of the people would feel like, oh, you know what? I can ask God because he loves me. And they're going to find out that the works that they were doing was really trying to earn right standing with God, earn uh, righteousness. But what makes you righteous is that you have the nature of God in you. See, that's the nature of God is what makes you righteous. That's why I say that a billion years from now, when we're on the new earth, in our new bodies, you won't be more righteous than you are right now today. Yeah, but I'm not perfect. Yeah, you, your struggles and your battles, your emotions, your doubt, that's all in the natural man. The real you, because you have the nature of God in you. The nature of Christ is righteousness. It's described as righteousness. It's your, it's your source of righteous, righteousness. It's what makes you righteous, and that's what gives you the right to ask God to be your provider, not because of what you did or how much you gave in the offering. What gives you a right to ask God to meet your needs is that you are his child. And it is his pleasure to provide for his children. Now, if you want to go into abundance, yes, you have to be a faithful steward so you, he'll trust you with more. But that's not earning it. That's being a steward of his as his stuff. I want to go over to Galatians here. In Galatians, uh, it's kind of a, it's a beautiful, ver it's a, a great verse what I'm going to share, but it, um, what happened with Galatians was Paul taught these, um, un, they weren't Jewish, they're Gentile, the Gentile people. He found them, they never knew about tithing or feasts, or sacrificing of the lamb. They lived their life just how carnal as can be. This was the Gentiles that Paul was sent to. And he went to Galatia, and he started the church there. 
and he taught them about Christ outside of the law. You know, like some of the law, you had to be circumcised. You had to um, watch your diet, what you ate. You couldn't eat certain things. You had to uh, perform rituals. You had to celebrate feasts. And, and Paul never taught them any of that. And after he moved from this church, moved on to other works, a group of guys came in from Jerusalem, uh, and Peter was one of them. Peter was celebrating with them, eating pork with them, and then when these uh, guys came in from Jerusalem, I think they were called, their sect was called Judaizers, they taught that they had more right that God's family came through Abraham and that you had to be born of Abraham like the Jewish people were to have a right to call God your God. And they're talking to Gentiles who are not from Abraham. All these Judaizers could show you a paper list of their genealogy all the way back to Abraham. See, I've been born of Abraham. And so they taught this church of Gentiles basically, okay, okay, listen, we will accept that you can know God like we know God. We'll accept that that is God's plan for the world. But you have to come to God through us. And so that means we're taking all the rules of the Old Covenant, or many of the rules, and you have to do this. So we'll accept that through Jesus you can be born of God, but you have to also accept the dietary laws that we have, the dress code laws that we have, uh, the feasts, the celebrations that we have. You have to also be circumcised. Uh, and think about how strong of a preacher you are if you can talk uh, a bunch of Gentile men to get circumcised. And that's what the whole group was getting ready to be circumcised. And Paul wrote the Galatians this letter to confront this wrong teaching that was trying to mingle in and destroy them. Uh, I'll give you a few verses here. Um, verse 15 of chapter 3. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Verse 16. He does not say, and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as to one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So here Paul is saying, the promise that the children of God came through Abraham was not to his seeds, as in many, but to one, singular. In other words, Abraham produced a seed that brought the children of God. But it wasn't the Jewish people. It was Jesus was the seed, not the plural. And throughout Paul's writing, you say that if you're born again, you really are a child of God. Being born a Jew does not make you a child of God. So he is confronting the root of their argument that we were born of Abraham. You were not. So therefore, we, are, we have more access to God than you do. Paul said, no, the promise was made to Abraham and his seed, that's Jesus. And you are born again of that seed at your salvation. Whether you're a Gentile or a Jew, 
the Jews have to be saved like the Gentiles do. So he is arguing that you're not going to be able to finish what was started through the flesh. So this religion was being brought in, and it was trying to get them to serve God through their outward man. Uh, and it's appealing. The outward man is a, is desires to do good works for God because it wants to give God something to make it feel valuable. God will say, I'm not the father of your flesh. I'm not pleased with your flesh. I'm not interested in your outward man giving me good works. The church as a whole is to do good works. But really, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God into all that we do, directed into things by God, and not just randomly choose the good works that we do to try to please Him. Because you might end up giving purpose to your outward man, to the outward part of your soul. And it will reward you by making you feel purposeful, valuable. But really, in God's eyes, you've missed it. Look over in Galatians 1, verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade man or God? Or do I seek to please man? For if I'm still pleasing man, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. So you can't live your life to please man, not even yourself. Your outward body. I'll give you another verse here while we're on this topic. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ had made you free, and do not be entangled again to a yoke of bondage. Now, many people think that means the yoke of bondage means sin, smoking, chewing. Verse 2. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. So the yoke of bondage that we've been liberated from is not here in context. It's not sin. It's not going to the bar. The yoke of bondage he's talking about is going to the Judaizers' religion, going to religion to try to find God, try to establish a relationship with God. My favorite dry sense of humor, I have a dry sense of humor, which means there's many times I'll laugh at my own joke and no one else will understand it. But that's that's good. That's the dry sense of humor. As long as I get it, that's what matters. And Paul here goes on in this context. In verse 12, he's talking about those Judaizer preachers. They were trying to teach this church that Paul started and birthed to finish their work, their walk with God, through their outward man, through regulations, through structure. And he says, and circumcision is part of it. And he says, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. 
that's such a dry sense of humor, but such a cutting, <laughs> a, a cutting verse that instead of telling you to be circumcised, they just need to cut themselves off. We go to uh, chapter 3. This is where I've been trying to get to. Verse 1. Uh, let me pause here because I'm trying to, even though he's talking about the Judaizers, uh, we in our churches, in our generation, aren't so tied into the Jewish religion, celebrating the feast, so some people are. Uh, but uh, it's, religion is powerful in all forms. Religion is trying to serve God with your outward man, your outward ability. Instead of God ministering through you, you are ministering in the name of God. That's a good definition of religion. And you're giving God something to get something back. So here the whole church have been turned to walk away from what God started or what Paul started. Old foolish Galatians. Uh, remember the path in Philippians and he had confidence that what God started God would complete. That's as long as you stay on the path. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Oh, you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so long, so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, did he do it by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? Have you begun in the Spirit, are now going to finish it and make perfect in the flesh? Verse 3, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? The pathway to inner healing is not about your flesh. It's not about your emotions. It's about building up the inner man and then mortifying the reason of those emotions. You have the power, the moment you're saved, to say no to emotions, to say no to wrong desires, to deny it. And where are those wrong desires and those emotions coming from? From the outward man. But you don't want to live there. You can also mortify that voice that tells you you need this, that you're too broken. Um, and again, I, I, I want to be careful. I don't want to belittle anyone's horrible experience of the past. But when that voice comes up and says, you're not worthy, you're not valuable, uh, you need love, and you live your life feeding that brokenness with getting that love, and even in the name of God, you'll always remain broken. That's not healing. Healing is, uh, I cut my hand, and instantly my hand begins to build a scab. The scab comes and goes. And now I am healed. I can move my hand freely. I am healed. Inner healing is not about staying the same. 
in transformation, you will find all the inner healing you need. You'll find all the victory over all the battles that you have, the defeat and the, the hurt, the brokenness and the pride and the arrogance and all the stuff that comes from the flesh. Uh, one more verse and then I'll, I'll be quiet, I think. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, or verse 7 and 8 and 9. Verse 7, 8, 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now he's not talking about an offering here. He's talking about a lifestyle. For he who sows to his flesh, he's comparing a lifestyle of sowing into your flesh good works to please God. Here it would be circumcision, to be keeping the feasts. It would be watching what you're following the dietary laws of the Jews. If you sow into the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. The message of sowing in the Spirit is, are you praying in tongues today? Are you worshiping God? You know, I remember Pastor Dave Roberson, he always says, you know, when you're uh, you want more of God, you need to pray in tongues, hour after hour. Just epoxy your britches to the chair in the church. Come to the church building and pray if you want. And just sit yourself down and pray. As, as I'm learning transformation and how much the outward man demands purpose from me. And I practiced what Pastor Dave teaches about praying in tongues I want you to spend hour after hour praying in tongues, and I want you to spend hour worshiping God, just sitting there saying, I love you, I glorify you, I magnify you. And spending time reading the Word and meditating the Word, I realize that practice of spiritual uh, growth, actually, there's no purpose in there. I don't... I didn't do anything. How many people did I witness to? I, well, I sat and prayed. Well, see, many people say, well, that's wrong. You can't just sit and pray. We're supposed to do this. Well, they're speaking out of their need, their relationship with their flesh, that they've lived a life of giving purpose to their life in the name of God so that they actually are offended by the message of praying and worshiping and, and growing in God because They've never crossed that line or, or dare faced not offering purpose to their flesh. For he who sows to the flesh will of the, reap, of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows in the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now the frustration is, it's like a quick drug purpose. is like a quick drug to your flesh. It's like I, I can make my, myself feel worth something by doing something in the name of God uh, when God didn't tell me to. And I believe in serving. I'm a big, big preacher of serving, but serving without reward. So I'm going to give myself this quick drug of uh, purpose that my flesh will reward me and I'll feel good about myself. Otherwise, I just feel like I'm a loser. Or I can go into the prayer closet and pray in tongues for three hours and feel like a loser the whole time. 
And so it's so tempting to live a life of the flesh, a purpose in the kingdom of God. And really you're just feeding your flesh what it wants and it's rewarding you. But nothing's changed. You're not healed. The brokenness is still inside of you. There's a pathway that God will help you complete it if you don't get off of it. It began the moment you were saved. Your nature was made new and quickened to life and your inner man was also brought to light. Now you can build up the inner man, the spiritual man, by praying in tongues and worship and meditating the Word of God. And as you do these things, you may not feel the outward man may punish you, may say, we're wasting our time. This is not doing anything. But let me tell you, that inner man grows and grows, and eventually you'll begin to say, I don't know, I used to be this way. I used to act a certain way. I don't act like that anymore. That's not a change. That's a transformation. That's a miracle. That's an amazing thing that happened because you didn't give up on sowing into the spirit man. When I sow in the spirit, that's me taking time and praying in tongues. That's me worshiping God. That's me meditating the word of God. I'm sowing into my spirit so my inner man will grow up and the fruit of the spirit of the new nature will grow forward and I'll have love, joy, and peace. And then I'll have something to confront the outward man with and mortify it with. And then he says, verse 9, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So you can see that this pathway of sowing in the Spirit, serving God through sowing to your spiritual man, it's easy to lose heart and be discouraged and be frustrated because it seems like it takes long. It's like, it's just like my 10-year-old son when he was 10 years old. I had taken him when he was probably 5 to the go-kart race cars. And he was, uh, we somehow were able to s- sneak him in to where I let him drive the go-kart when he was not supposed to because he wasn't tall enough. Or I think he was tall enough but old enough, but they let me sneak him in. And he drove and he was a great little driver in that go-kart. He was doing great, fearless driving around that go-kart track. Then at 10 years old, he he informed me he was ready to drive the real car. I'm ready, Dad. I'm ready to drive the real car. Let me drive the real car. I can drive. Look how good I did at the go-kart. Like, son, you're not ready yet. And I can't tell you, that poor boy, how frustrated he has been for all of his young life wanting to drive because he thought he was ready. And all I could do was encourage him, let me teach you. And I began to teach him at 13 how to drive and, and practice. And now he's a great driver. Now that he's 16 and has his license and is driving, he's a very good driver, very safe driver. At least when I'm with him anyway, he's a good driver. But the frustration of, I want it now, I should have it now, I should be free now, it can make you switch and go into the flesh to provide yourself a quick fix to make you feel better about yourself rather than growing up. Let's grow in the spirit and mortify the flesh. Inner healing is available for every believer. I would just call it outward mortification. Um, but it's available for you. You may think you're broken. You are not broken. Your outward body, your outward man, the outward soul is broken. But you are a child of God and an heir of the kingdom of God. The love language to your natural man. If you want your natural man to reward you, give it purpose. 
If you want your the love language to your inner man is spirit, spiritual growth. Thank you for spending time with me. I love you. I appreciate you. I'll see you soon.